Today, we're chatting with a world-class branding expert about adding the most value in your business, going viral in your approach, and leveraging psychology to create wins for yourself and your clients. You definitely don't want to miss this one, so don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really excited to be here with you today. We've got an awesome guest. But before we get there, a quick update on the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. Uh, thank you to everyone that's continued to check out the book and get it on Amazon. Thank you for all the five-star rave reviews. Also, the uh, the reviews on Audible, the five-star ones there. Whether you're getting it in paperback or Kindle or audiobook, I really do appreciate it. And for those that have not checked out the book yet, well... It's uh, it's getting a lot of awareness there. It's had an article in USA Today. It's had an article in Forbes. Last year was an article in Yahoo. And if you want to check it out yourself, you can go to lastlawofattractionbook.com. That'll auto-forward to the Amazon listing. And, of course, again, you can get it in Kindle or paperback or audiobook. But if you don't want to pull out your wallet but you still want to see why the book is getting so much traction, you can feel free to go to youtube.com slash andrewcap. That'll take you to the YouTube channel that's devoted to the book. And there's new methods there. There's interviews with LOA experts and a few other surprises. But with that said, let's go straight into our interview of the day. So I'm going to switch up mics and we're going to have our conversation with Kara. All right. I am super pumped for today's guest. You know, I, you know, you check out her Facebook profile and she put it very succinctly in that she turns your biz from shaky to substantial. And uh, a lot of what she does is basically about energizing your client culture for fast growth in group programs specifically. And, you know, we are really, we're walking in the same circles, but what caught my eye specifically was this really super awesome Facebook post um, that was like three juicy must-haves that will make your coaching program go as viral as Clubhouse, which, you know, you can hear the, the copywriting flavor that I love in it, but also the insight. So we're definitely going to talk about that, and we might talk about a few other things. So without any further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Kara Bell. Kara, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to Shatter the Mold. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I read your book, so I'm excited to uh, share with your audience and everything. It was, uh, it was good stuff. Thank you. Hey, anytime I hear someone has read my book, I am an automatic fan. I'm like, yes, please, by all means. Um, actually, we were we were talking. I mean, we might as well go there before we hit the record button. Full disclosure, my audience, you were mentioning that you noticed I did something, I guess, regarding um, how I put my book out there that you inject into the work that you do with your clients. Is that correct? That's right. Um, so one of the things I noticed while I was reading is that you have really clearly defined methods that are actionable for people to, uh, to easily implement. But before you do that, you are helping people not judge themselves while they learn it. Hmm. Um, so you, the, the way that you present the information is you kind of like get, get people in the right frame of mind um, before you actually teach them the bulk of the thing, which is incredibly important. And I don't think people realize this enough that they have to, they have to go into a new, a new way of learning into learning something new for themselves. They have to go into it without judging themselves through the process. Um, because likely the first few times, like 
the first time, the, the 10th time isn't going to be the time where they get it. And, and if they go into it as uh, kind of like open to learning and experimenting and having fun and playing with it, they're more likely to um, continue, continue on the path. Your book does this really well. And that's, that's one thing I, I'm showing my clients. Like if they're going to get their clients to get results, um, they need to, they need to help their clients not judge themselves while they do the thing that they're about to do. Thank you so much for, for that acknowledgement. And, you know, it's, it's always, it's always interesting because what you just said, you know, really sharp uh, marketing minds spot that what I'm doing. And I think a lot of people, I think it's good to bring it up and talk about this because there's something to be said, of course, for creating a container where people can learn, but it's also, it's a fine, you know, it's, it, you're basically, it's a high wire act because by that same token, at least the perspective I had when I was writing the book is like, well, I've got to make sure I'm not boring. I've got to make sure even the layers of the foundation have to be intriguing. And there even has to be enough of a carrot on the stick that will pull people in so that it almost like emerges that they don't even realize they're getting as much insights as they're getting until they actually get to the point where they have to implement like, oh my God, wow, that thing that Andrew said in chapter two perfectly lined up with chapter five. And that's why this method is like way easier for me to do right now. So um, it's again, thank you for that acknowledgement. And, and I imagine that's probably one of the things that you work on with clients too, where it's like, listen, there has to be a method to this madness, right? There's gotta be a certain way by which you introduce people to the, uh, the environment that they're going to be learning in. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, totally. Um, cause it's not just the, the method itself. It's the learning method on top of the, um, application method, uh, basically. I love the care carrot in the stick analogy because uh like you said like you have to kind of keep leading them kind of giving them little bites uh, as they go I love it yeah and it's so funny I mean I'm I'm not going to complain one bit about you know the book reviews I mean it's, you know majority of five star rave reviews but you know for every thousand literally there's two or three were like I'm waiting for him to get to xyz so there's always going to be personality type that wants the method right away and I mean, I don't know your thoughts, but I, I personally say, listen, for those three people, I'm sorry, but most people do need a warm layer and a, a building of a foundation so that they can operate the most versus me just throwing it out there in front of them right away where, you know, 997 people are really not going to get something out of it. And then those three people that thought they were going to get something out of it, they're not even ready anyway. They're going to discard it just as easily. So you might as well say, listen, we're, we're doing it this way. There's a method to my madness. There's a reason I'm doing this. Go totally. with me, join me for the ride. And that's where the real value is. Sure. And I think without naming any names of like other authors, I think some authors tend to be a little bit more flowery with their uh, storytelling and just throwing, you know, they love to hear themselves talk. So maybe, maybe some of your, uh, the, the feedback that you're getting is, is prejudiced based on uh, some of those, some of their other uh so other other books that they've read yeah probably you know and for me I'll, I'll take it like you know constructive criticism or even non-constructive criticism that's also part of the game and again i'm sure it's also something that your uh your clients realize where no you're not going to make anybody happy all the time and and that's not the point because that's an impossible thing it's oh, wow. more at least from my perspective how do you add the most value to the most people in a way that's most in line with who you are as an entrepreneur and as a creator yeah, totally. Yep. I love it. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. And so this kind of brings us, um, again, you know, you in your brilliance, I'm not sure how long it took you to write that Facebook post. I'm not sure if that was just like a brain dump or you're like, no, I'm really going to refine this over like more than an hour. But it, it seems that you have a gift, at least from my perspective, of of basically putting something very concisely, very succinctly without yeah. losing any of the flavor or texture or, or value of what that message really is. And um, again, like this one, I, I love, uh, you almost had like a headline, like three juicy must haves that will make your coaching program as viral as clubhouse. And by the way, props to you again, I think a lot of people, they forget in Facebook posts, that first sentence is in and of itself a headline just to get people. So they're committed to like, let me read this whole thing and let me get the value out of it. Right. Yep. Totally. So when I, um, I, I'm, I'm doing inter, uh, like energized client culture, that's what I, I preach about. Uh, generally, but for it's been um, probably over five years that I've been really heavily invested into creating brand communities, mm-hmm. and uh, and that started with consumer brands. I was doing like more social media um, style consulting for for those kind of brands, and it kind of morphed into coach like the coaching industry, um, and creating like that that energy with your clients. Uh, in their programs. So this post, uh, I would say this post like is as new as Clubhouse and I wrote it within an hour, but it's stuff that has been in my brain for years. Mm, <laughs> <that>? I love <laughs> it. <laughs> and that's usually like when stuff comes out the best way, like it, yeah. on one hand, it's quick. It happened really fast. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, it took years to get that level of insight and even that level of being able to articulate that insight to other people so that they can consume it and really, really get something out of it. Totally. Yep. Awesome. So let's follow the lead on this. Let's follow the thread. Cause the first thing that you put in there was invitations. And I want to, I guess, open the, the floor to you to talk about like, what you mean by that? Like, why are invitations so important in a number of things, but I guess specific to what you're talking about having like a coaching program, where, where does the value come in through that? Totally. And, um, and just like as a, a side note too, uh, when it comes to clubhouse, I would say, um, I'm very much like, I love to observe what's going on. I haven't like completely, uh, I haven't, I'm not utilizing the program. Like it's not something that I'm using for my own lead generation, but I love watching people like just get excited about it or, um, also hate on it. Like mm-hmm. totally interesting to me just to see like the dynamic, um, of that with, with invitations, um, invitations are one of those things like, so, uh, I actually built a community of 300 design professionals. This is years ago. And the way that I started it was by sending out invitations directly to people saying like, Hey, we, uh, like I have this event going on. Um, it's very specific to what you have going on. And I think it would be really like fun for you to show up and, and even as, uh, you know, inviting people to speak and inviting people to just be there and uh, bring their energy. And I grew this, is this event like to 300 members um, over the course of a year. And uh, within the first two months, I had a hundred people packed into a room on a cold February night. And this is like downtown Oklahoma city. Oklahoma City is like hugely spread out. So getting a hundred people in a room is um, a pretty, pretty cool feat. And I, uh, and I noticed almost immediately that these invitations were like the way that they made people feel whenever they got an invitation was almost like I'm on the inside of something that not many people are on the inside of. Yeah. 
uh, it immediately creates like this exclusivity and acceptance um, at the same time. And from then on, I've noticed how, um, how people react, like even in marketing, even um, in like inviting your clients in on something special. I was uh, also coaching for a little while, I was coaching uh, boutique, like fashion boutiques and having them invite like kind of uh, like for a VIP event kind of event so they could sell more clothes through those events. Mm-hmm. Um, invitations are extremely powerful for just like making people really excited and um, and getting a lot of conversion rate on those invitations. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, I think it's I, interesting because we're we're playing on a number of things human nature. We're playing on, um, well, one, just <clears throat> we are almost genetically um, engineered this way to seek out resources, almost to, to hoard resources, food, energy, water, whatever it might be. But also there's like a social equity in this because we are social by nature where th- these invitations are almost like, you know, you're vouching for someone, you're doing them a, a lucky turn, a favorable turn. You're inviting them in something where they don't, hopefully, don't take it for granted versus something where, you know, not there's more than one, there's more than one business model, but versus something where they don't need you. They don't need to hear from you about it. They don't need your way in. They can just walk in on their own. There's a social equity there, which I think carries a lot of weight. Totally. Um, it's also default FOMO. Mm. So there's there's plenty of people who are watching what's going on and and realizing that there's something like on the other side that they don't have yet. Yes. Yeah. That, that actually, that'd be a good name for a, a, um, a information product, right? Uh, manufacturing FOMO on demand. Yeah. Totally. Uh-huh. <laughs> Invite only, by the way, hence, you know, you know, demonstrating it through the, through the process. That's right. cool. So this is interesting because I think a lot of people, they almost take for granted how powerful those invitations really are, because it's even something where even after you're in, it's something where you don't forget about it, right? Like it's always there. The, the the program or app or whatever experience you're in, it is forever, you know, colored emotionally by the fact that you had to work a little bit harder or you needed a little extra in to yeah. experience it to begin with, right? Yeah, it's uh, like an ownership where they, they immediately feel just part of that brand. And uh, now that they're on the inside, they're also... Uh, you know, taking its side a little bit and, and rooting for it to succeed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, is there one or two ways off the top of your head, or even in your experience with clients that where you're, where you, they've utilized invitations in a certain way that people might not expect, but can really learn from? So one thing um, for, I've had a client who was looking to get out of one-to-one calls because uh, just just for to leverage their time and so that they're not compl- always repeating um, call after call after call. So what they did is they started combining the one-to-ones into like mini like mastermind uh, type events within the group. So like, Hey, listen, I, I saw that you've been dealing with X, Y, Z over the last month. Can you, you want to hop onto this call? We're doing going to do it next week and we can get it all taken care of. Uh, and so people kind of feel like a little bit of an insider and they were, um, they were doing this uh, quite a bit and, and helping the clients understand like, that's what they're, they're 
they're moving into now. So uh, some clients got to feel like extra special of being on the call. And then the other clients got to feel um, like a little bit of anticipation uh, waiting for like, Ooh, when, when can I take advantage of this? Um, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Again, the, it's so funny because again, we're, we're going back to status and we're going back to the idea of whether you're working for it or you're waiting for it. It's something where you have to long for it to some extent or reach for it. Yes. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. That anticipation is huge. Like just um, the, the buildup, the energy of the anticipation is great. I love it. I love it. Cool. So mm-hmm. the second thing in, in your Facebook post, um, you mentioned new language and, you know, in terms of making up words and making up rules. Can you talk a little more about that? Uh, yes. I, um, well, for one, I, language gets stale. Uh, when people use the same words over and over again, and then competitors also use the words and they apply their own definitions, um, words stop meaning things to people. So whenever, uh, whenever I say brand, like say brand community, um, that raises a lot of questions or it's just kind of falls flat because people no longer, um, like the word brand itself means a lot of different things. It doesn't quite, um, like pique anyone's interest like that like they already know what it is uh so there's nothing new about it Mm. which means I need to more clearly define the thing that I'm actually doing uh because branding no longer associates like it doesn't uh it doesn't apply anymore that could mean logos it could mean anything and and so I have to more specifically say exactly what I'm doing and the, the same is true if you're designing a process for clients, if you um, if you have anything that you want to draw attention to, if you can if you can give it a new name, and then redefine what it means, or even uh, you know take something that's commonly out there like branding or mindset or anything out there, and say this is what I mean whenever I say this, people are automatically going to turn heads and look to you as like like you've set this definition you all of a sudden own that word. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You not only do you own the word, you own the concept around the word and you're creating a pattern interrupt that separates you from the what's hope what, what oftentimes is a crowded marketplace because you know they say do you do you go in and and are you um in some place that's kind of like weird or are you in like a crowded space where everyone's there and the whole thing about everyone being there that means that there's actually there must be customers, there must be a market. So, of course, it's kind of smart to be there if you could differentiate yourself. And I totally agree that, you know, changing your language is huge. And even getting back to my book, like, you know, the, the processes that I put in there, I was very intentional in naming them a certain way because, you know, law of attraction methods are all over the place. You can get them in any book or any video. Besides, again, trying to make them just simple and user-friendly, I also wanted to add that extra twist of the name um, more so that if, a, a, you know, a reader emailed me and they had a question, they can articulate it better. And they can even like link the words that I'm using that almost in their own way describe the process. So um, obviously I'm totally on board about that. It's, it's about kind of creating your own language that people will understand, but still relate to. And your readers, whenever they connect with other readers from the book, they immediately have something to bond over. Like, Hey, have you tried this specific method? Or I couldn't yes. get this method to work. Could, did you figure out a way to make it work or something like that? Um, yeah. You know, it's so funny. Um, there's, I guess the book is old now that um, Neil Strauss, he put out that book, The Game, I think it was back in like 2004. And that was about like an underground um, group of pickup artists. 
And it was so funny because the internet was still young at that point. They'd get on news boards and they'd have their own terminology. And people, whenever they'd go out to clubs and bars together, people would look at them all strange because they'd be putting these terms and these acronyms and abbreviations, all this stuff. No one knew what the hell they were talking about, but there was this level of enthusiasm because, like you said, they felt like they were part of something that no one else kind of had a you know even an idea of what it was so there's it's so funny we keep coming back to exclusivity and status and really in many ways a feeling of belonging right mm-hmm. yep yeah so also uh, mm-hmm. I, it, well it makes me think of summer camp like mm. creating new rules uh you know you always read the rules and then people joke about the rules uh you know after like uh we always had like rule number seven no holding hands at summer camp like you always joked about the rules um, but it's, it's kind of like this, this language that you do, you get to bond over and, and feels like it transports you into a different world. Yes. Yeah. Oh, couldn't agree more. And I didn't even realize as we were talking this out, like so far, both of your, you know, your three juicy bits here, they're about belonging among other things. So that, that theme of feeling a belonging, which if, if that's something that you can inspire or strike in a potential customer or a current customer, I mean, you're going to be gold in that case because that's such a powerful thing, right? Yes, totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. now this brings us um, to the third uh, part that you put in. You talk about, you know, stop controlling people because you can't. So if you could talk a little bit about that, what you meant when you uh, when you written that. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, that's one of the cool things about Clubhouse right now is it's kind of this new frontier uh, where people are able to experiment and and try new things without a lot of rules and Uh, Of course, like you go on Clubhouse and one of the first rooms you'll find yourself in is someone like telling you exactly how to be, you know, successful on Clubhouse. You have to do this, do this, do this, do this. And really like it's a new, it's a new application. People are trying new things all the time. Mm. It's a land of opportunity almost. Um, One of the things like people are so frustrated with Facebook over is just because it's, it's, you know, trying to box you in. It doesn't want you to look like a spammer because that decreases its um, activity, but you know, it kind of over polices people. And, um, and, and it, it kind of just feels very constricted. The energy is low on Facebook and, and it's, it's very controlling. Um, so one thing people are excited about, about clubhouses, it's, it's a little bit more free, mm. um, with, with people in general, like if you if you have a group of people and you're trying to over, overly tell them what to do or, or give them too much instruction. Um, and I think of, I think of a lot of accountability tactics like this as well. Like, Hey, like I need you to check in. I need you to tell me like how your goals are going and did you follow your goals? Did you, uh, did you do the things that you said you were going to do? Um, there's a little bit of control there's, there's accountability that's for them and there's accountability that's for your ego and Mm -hmm usually like if there's control, if there's accountability, that's for your ego, it's going to come off that way. And there it, it'll push people away more than it, than it inspires them. Yeah. So this is really about that, that feeling of freedom. And it's, it's interesting because I've noticed I'm, I'm going to be posting or co-hosting my first clubhouse room um, tomorrow, as of when we're recording this. And, you know, I was kind of tinkering yesterday, just like getting a feel and just seeing if there's anything I noticed about the culture of Clubhouse that was already emerging. And one thing that I noticed that popped out was um, there were a bunch of people in the room and whenever there's like, I don't know, 10 moderators, like, you know, 
and one but besides the fact that they were organized when one person said something and the other ones agreed they would tap meaning they would hit their mute button on off and off and you'd see the mute um icon flashing and it was almost like clapping because no one's gonna be like interrupting hitting their their volume saying yeah i agree blah 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 because they want to let the person keep speaking and i love how organically out of the constraints and the options of the platform that's now uh, an understood thing where if you agree with something, you just tap the mute button a couple of times and people see it. Yep, totally. And that's kind of part of like the, the new language too. Like even when you're hosting your room tomorrow, like you can, you can kind of lay out how you expect things to go, how you want uh, people to communicate with each other, kind of your own set of rules. And then with the control piece, uh, you know, the, like making people, say like keeping people on track or people keeping people on time like some of that uh yeah like I, I think you like there's not really there's a hard it's too hard to do that on on clubhouse like it's uh it feels it feels good to be there it's not like it is on facebook mm, yeah now we're using clubhouse as this clear example because it's a wonderful example but we're also talking about you know coaching programs group coaching programs how do you, in working with your clients, navigate that lack of control? How do you navigate the unpredictability that you might be facing so that you can still, or that, that they can still deliver value to their group and make sure, like, if there's paying customers or whatever, are still getting something out of it and that the person who ever made that promise of the group is fulfilling that promise? Yeah, so, um, you know, it looks a lot like, uh, it's funny because when people when people uh, do want to control or um, kind of, I, I think of the accountability piece so much just because it is like, that's, that's where people want to get the feedback is through accountability. They know if they can keep their clients accountable, that they know what results their clients are getting and they can kind of keep tabs on the clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually the opposite way. Instead of, getting the client to constantly like tune in um, just based on their own willpower. We have to, we have to kind of guide them and create, um, create asks for them. So not just like we're asking for testimonials and reviews and upgrades, you know, continuation onto the next offer, but we're also asking them for um, like, Hey, like that was really great expertise. Like, like you, you do this so well, do you mind sharing a little bit with the group? Like we're kind of um, getting them to, it's like going back to those invitations mm-hmm. and, um, and getting them to plug in uh, can kind of help us uh, complete the value exchange where people are, uh, they're, they're more willing to give back to us. And, uh, and we're, we're not so much, um, feeling like we have to over deliver and, and, and be like in control. Yeah. So it's so interesting because obviously everything I say is coming from my own perspective and my own experiences, and I'm projecting these views in a certain way. But what I find interesting is as you were describing it on that level, it sounds to me like this lack of control or this embracing of the understanding that there is no control is through the strategy of empowering them, empowering them to be better and to contribute And it sounds to me, again, like the fuel of that part of the fuel, at least of that contribution is, again, a feeling and a sense of belonging, a sense of ownership within the group. So, again, again, I'm forcing this this um, round peg into a square hole or whatever the the term is. But it's almost like a sense of belonging goes through all of the 
all these free tidbits, right? No, you just tied it together so well. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, my next Facebook post, here's what this whole thing was. It's But I think it's so important. I'm so glad that we almost got here in that conversation because, again, I got to credit you. You gave such three brilliant, in my opinion, three really brilliant things. And they all can be tied back to that. And I think that's a wonderful business and life lesson for people is when you understand how to create a sense and environment of belonging in the context of business and also in the context of relationships and everything else, Mm -hmm. it automatically fuels the health of that endeavor. And it leads to a lot of things, i.e. the lack of control that you couldn't have predicted on your own, that you couldn't have manufactured on your own, that Mm -hmm. couldn't have come about other than organically in some magic way that's unpredictable, but also beautifully efficient. Yes, exactly. Uh, One thing I often tell my clients is uh, price does not equal commitment. Mm. And, and people will pay for things all the time. Like maybe if they feel like a particular uh, like guilt whenever they put in the money that then they are more committed. But I guaranteed like you have to ask for commitment separately uh, when it comes to when it comes to working with clients. It's not tied to price. And I say that because belonging like that 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 element of like they own this pro, like they are kind of part of the community and the satisfaction that it comes with working with a product or out of a product. Um, it, it usually has to do with that emotion of like feeling like they belong. And that is what equals commitment. Mm, I love that. I love It's so cool because I, I totally get that. I mean, I'm, I'm of the viewpoint that price will make some, it definitely won't get you all the way, but I, I would hope, you know, $1,000 versus 50, you'll, you'll still get a better commitment, but the commitment's only real. still, like you said, independent of that price. They've mm-hmm. got to have a certain investment that goes, that transcends price alone. And yep. um, I, I love that. I've never heard that before. And this actually really makes me rethink a few things just in terms of the the products I plan on creating. And I don't know if I'm ever going to go in the in the group coaching piece, although I have something in my mind that I'm working on. I'm so grateful for this conversation because this will actually help make sure that this thing that I'm kind of working through is going to be so much more powerful. So Kara, thank you for that. That's awesome. Totally. I'm happy to chat off air too about that. Yeah. Hey, you know, I might, um, I might take you up on that more than once and be like, Hey, Kara, remember that time you said you were going to talk about, I'm going to bother you again. Um, so just real quick, I mean, just cause in case people are curious, what brought you to what you're doing today? Like, how did you find your way into this specific endeavor that you're helping people in this way? Totally. Well, um, a big part of what I do is marketing and like creating brand community. And I feel like I've been on this track for a, a long while and um, just like excited about uh, how people's brains think and, and what like motivates people to, to, to be part of something uh, has always driven me. Uh, last, last year I was coaching for a program that was, that runs 200, 300 clients at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started applying it to coaching where, um, where I see, uh, a lot of really great things and then things that just aren't going so well for these really big programs. And then all of their clients, um, I, I see like just room for a lot more sustainability in this internet marketing community, where instead of just always fighting for, um, front end sales, you're also creating sustainable, um, revenue on the back end, And that's not just by, you know, 
making sure that you have people upgrading, but you're asking for things in return, getting people to, um, to, to tell, like have that like energy for, for your brand. Right. Now I imagine people who hire you, they're already doing group coaching and they're just, they're looking to either improve the experience or improve their, um, their conversions or, or a combination. Right. Um, and given the fact that you see a lot of that, what from your experience is one of the biggest or the biggest mistake that they're making before you start working with them that you try to help them through? For some reason, it's a, it's a common trend that, um, that people want to scold clients. Uh, you know, that might just be like the, the, like the young internet marketing, uh, bro marketing kind of, kind of trend that's out there, but it's, I feel like it's filtered through a lot of, a lot of people's programs because that's what is being taught. Mm -hmm. Um, people will scold people, uh, clients as they're coming in of like what not to do, how you don't get results, uh, how you should show up and, and ask questions and, and get the, uh, you know, if like, if it's your fault, if you don't get the results basically. Um, but, but clients, people who have just spent a lot of money and, you know, they're feeling a lot of emotions from a, a, a large purchase like that. And then, and then they get told like what not to do and all that stuff. There's just a lot of emotions and they don't know, they, like they don't know how to get results. And, um, you know, people learn by modeling and people learn by, um, you know, like understanding a process that's clearly laid out for them. Mm. And, uh, if they don't, have that we have to kind of help walk them through it so right in other words like they're these coaches are introducing friction in a misguided way of trying to help their people along it does it because it yeah it feels like you are trying to help and it also feels like you're trying to do it in a leveraged way but it, it doesn't end up being leveraged either mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right now um in general when you work on this with them do do most people are they able to usually adapt quickly or is this a difficult process of getting out of that scolding mindset? It's, um, it's pretty quick. So I like to, I like to help them implement like small things along the way. Uh, mostly because it's, it's something that there's a few big like levers that we can pull right away. And, and part of that is like onboarding. Uh, I, I had, I haven't said it yet on this conversation. I see onboarding as part of the sales process um, so as soon as clients, uh, come off that sales call, the first thing, like the place that they land, uh, you know, we have to catch them with that onboarding call and basically close them the second time, get the commitment, um, and, and get them sold again on that call on themselves and, and getting, getting the work done. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting <clears throat> to hear you say that because I hear that. And besides the fact that in my opinion, it really does serve the client, I also assume it really reduces the refund rate and it also increases their implementation rate where they, they don't want to give their money back, but they're also getting a faster result because automatically right then and there, they are feeling supported as soon as the money has been spent and they're mm -hmm. in a momentum and a rhythm of doing right now versus, okay, this is going to be now a long month, drawn out process of a month. We are talking to five different people four of which were not in any part of these conversations and don't even know what you need. And then there's going to be confusion on the other end. It sounds to me like, no, let's make this a seamless, quick, efficient thing, because this is all about getting things rolling and ha again, having a rhythm and um, a speed of success, so to speak. Right. Yep. Totally. Exactly. 
Um, I had one client who, who implemented onboarding and then the first week's success rate, he had 30% uh, bump up to 70% of 70% of his clients closed a client within that first week, which um, is a, like, that's a really big bump, like uh, just from onboarding alone, but yes. For sure. For sure. <laughs> that statistic alone is, would would sell me if I'm like if you're gonna convince me something like Kara I I'm with you let's do let's let's try that way and just see how it works out. <laughs> cool. Yeah, totally. So, um, so I guess a few more questions just to squeeze a little extra value out of here. Um, what in your view is um one of the most overlooked marketing or sales strategies that if people use they would not only aid the person doing the selling, but the person being sold to. Okay. So, um, I mean, my favorite thing is like, goes back to the naming and, um, mm, so one of the things that I love is having a coaching more of a, like a, a, a teaching energy when mm-hmm. it comes to sales and marketing And a lot of people will, they feel like they have to not be themselves or they have to be someone else. They have to be someone who's more highly driven or some, something that is uh, just like an outside energy for, to say, uh, to do sales or marketing for their business. And when you start naming, um, naming parts of your process or naming even like some, some like undesirable things that people might not want and start defining like, here's what I mean whenever I say this, here's how you can identify this. It it starts like you can, you almost start the conversation over from scratch Mm -hmm. and you, uh, you can start teaching about what those things are. And then whenever you make an offer, you already have like listening ears, you're not competing with anyone. And, and it just kind of, uh, it gets people interested right away and, and it kind of opens up their understanding whenever they can see things in a, from a different perspective. Uh, um, that was one of my favorite tricks as far as sales and marketing. Yeah. And you, well, the cool thing, again, from my, my perspective here in that doing that, you are already helping the person before money is exchanged hands. You've already established the relationship of, Oh no, like we're doing this. I'm in your corner. Let's get you a result. Yep. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get the feeling, I don't know if you, um, if you followed him, but you, you've got a, a bit of a Frank Kern flair about you in terms of how you describe this. Have you uh, followed Frank? I have, I did for a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I would, his webinars are really good. Like as far as teaching goes and how he uh, gives yep. his information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's what I was thinking when you were talking about the teaching, my, my brain immediately went to Frank Kern and he is the master of that. And I mean, I haven't met him personally, but I can only assume that's him, but it seems like his personality really does shine through and he totally. really is in that, that teacher mode as he's going about it. And, um, I haven't spent a lot of money on him, but I've wanted to <laughs> just yeah. like seeing what he does. He, he really is a master at the craft apparently. And that, that's one thing he's really good at is designing his, um, his programs, like the way he markets, the way he sells, he's designed it to, to suit his energy. He hasn't made his energy adapt to, something else Mm, that right there might be in my opinion even more brilliant insights than those three awesome facebook things because (laughs) that right there is like it's the secret one to even selling more efficiently but also to the implementation because 
it's one thing to sell something successfully and then be the person's fulfilled and like, you know, forcing, but if it is who you are, it, it comes across more naturally. You have a lot more bandwidth to, to get through with it. And I would imagine you get a lot more referrals, a lot more growth and you don't burn out because you're actually loving the experience and you're getting to be who you actually are. Yes. Default authenticity. Mm, awesome. Yep. I love this. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so, um, two questions off the top of my head, um, before I let you go, if anyone wants to connect with you, first of all, um, learn more about what you're doing, maybe even hire you, like what is the best way for them to get in touch with you or learn more about you? So Facebook right now is the best way to, uh, to, to see what I'm up to and, and to reach out to me. You're welcome to send me a DM. Um, it's facebook.com slash OKC. Cool. And I'll, what I'll make sure is I'm going to put that link um, on the, in the show notes for shatteredandmoldpodcast.com and in the YouTube video description when I post the video version of this. So okay. it'll be just a click away for people to do that. Um, last question for you, just because I've, I've loved this conversation. And it's one of my favorite questions. Um, you having lived the life you've had and the experiences that you've had, and this could be life, business, whatever, but if you can go back 10, 15, even 20 years in the past, to a younger version of Kara and give her one piece of advice, what's the one piece of advice you'd want to make sure that she had? Interesting. Um, because it's, because I would say 10, 15 years ago, I was, uh, more open to playing and experimenting and being curious. And I would have told myself to not lose that. Um, and I, and I did for a little bit and I'm kind of, uh, within like the last year getting back into that. And I, um, I, I've missed it. That's, that's it. I, I love it. it. Well, I, here we are. We're just, you know, we're starting 2021 right now. Perfect timing for, for you to re-embrace that, that part of your nature, right? Yes, totally. I love it. Well, Kara, this has been awesome. Just even through the flow of this conversation, I've gotten some really awesome insights and I'm sure everyone listening has really gotten a lot out of this. So thanks so much for taking time, popping on. Um, thank you for that awesome Facebook post that you wrote that began this conversation. And um, thanks for doing what you do and, and helping people with the group coaching, because I personally believe that, you know, those coaches need to be coached in and of themselves in order to deliver more value and help more people. And it sounds like you're at the forefront of doing that. So thank you. Thank you. This is great. I love the conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Kara. That was really great. Guys, I highly recommend you check her out. I'm going to be putting her Facebook profile link both in the YouTube description of this video if you're watching it in video format. Or if you're listening in audio, you can go to shatteredamoldpodcast.com, check out where this episode resides, and the link will be waiting for you there. Uh, with that said, while I'm giving out links, I invite you one more time to go to lastlawofattractionbook.com where you can check out my book, The Last Law of Attraction Book You'll Ever Need to Read, or you can go to youtube.com slash Cap if you want to see the YouTube content devoted to it. With that said, thank you so much for being here as always, and stay tuned. We've got a lot more awesome guests on the way very soon. I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.